Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Ian Chris. And nobody. In San Francisco, you knew this was coming as soon as you found out that the police were acquiring robots. First, it was drones. And, of course, they had the, the bomb robots, right, where they can kind of remote control this thing in, and it goes and checks packages, mysterious packages. It could be bombs, that kind of thing. Uh, of course, we know that they're probably working on humanoid robots. We've seen the tests from, I think it's Boston Dynamics is the company that's got those crazy... It's got the dog, doesn't it? They've got the dogs, yeah. Thanks yeah. for the reminder on that one. Uh, Hawaii, I believe, uh, was making headlines during COVID because they had the dog robot going around with a loudspeaker on it, blasting orders at people <laughs> to you know go back inside or whatever. But you knew it was only a matter of time before somebody strapped a gun to one of these things and uh and that's coming that time is coming they are already asking now according to metro.co.uk for approval stating that the robots in san francisco the police robots would be able to be used quote as a deadly force option when risk of loss to uh, loss of life to members of the public or officers is imminent and outweighs any other force option So this is the very beginning of what will likely be uh, a trend of the police getting... I mean, they haven't been granted the authorization yet, but they are asking for it. And of course, why won't they get it, right? Like, oh, well, we have to keep our officers safe. I don't don't know if anybody else remembers, but in, I think it was the 80s, they were dropping bombs on people's roofs, like actual bombs. Yeah, you're talking about the MOVE project, I think it was, in uh, in Philadelphia. The Push MOVE Coalition, they were called. Yeah, they they dropped a bomb out of a helicopter, didn't yep. they? In that case, mm-hmm. went bang and killed people, including children. Yep, yep. that's right. Yeah, what's well, just over um, a neighborhood. I have a retraction sure. that I have to make. Okay. Um, apparently, I do believe that I saw saw images of the Twitter building with a ticker tape on it. Mm. Um, however, I saw uh, yesterday. I happened to run across images of. Uh, words being projected on the Twitter building, mm, which okay. I said last week didn't happen, and I was wrong. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I couldn't remember. I knew somebody on the show had said it was uh, an actual ticker tape, electronic billboard or whatever, and yeah, it was definitely a projector. I, I have also since seen uh, the images of that. The members of the city's Board of Supervisors Rules Committee have been reviewing the new policy for several weeks, The original version didn't mention robots until the head of the city's board of supervisors initially added that, quote, robots shall not be used as a use of force against any person. So this just goes to show how legislative things can be completely flipped. The intention of the person who had originally written this was to prohibit the use of force by robots. My first question is if a robot pulls a George Floyd who goes to jail? Anybody? Great point. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the police are immune. You'd think they'd already be immune. <laughs> well, they're, know, not they immune to, they're not immune to going going to jail for uh, for just randomly murdering people. It's hard to uh... it's hard to do that because that has already been ruled by the Supreme Court as a uh, as a violation of of uh, of 
constitutional rights. And before you owe me, the guy who killed George Floyd's in jail right he now. He did go to jail, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, prison. <laughs> I, I, it's, not, it's not so much I'm, I'm going to say that that's like that there wasn't such a ruling. I'm just a little skeptical that how often how often other than that one can you name any other any other instance where an officer has gone to jail for murdering somebody it is extremely difficult to enforce law against any cop because we have been propagandized since childhood to believe that they're telling the truth and everybody else is lying Mm -hmm. but that's a de jure problem or a de facto problem not a de jure problem uh de facto meaning according to the facts and de jure meaning according to the law yeah, uh, it, it is definitely true that it is hard to get any kind of justice against the police who commit violence against people. I mean, it's what is it, over a thousand police murders every single year or something like that? Just it's police killing innocent people? Yeah, um, A thousand police killings, it's unclear how many of those are murders. Because, mm. some, you know, some people do actually threaten the lives of police officers. And like anyone else, they have the right to defend their own life we I mean, had a killing in Keen, for example where a guy was literally holding a, a knife to a woman's throat anybody including a police officer would have a right to use deadly force against that person that's you know that's i i feel like that's a rare circumstance and most of the time it's the police going after somebody whether or not they've actually done anything uh, you know wrong at least morally speaking go ahead major yeah, you were talking about all the coders getting canned and whatnot, okay. and it got me to thinking. You know, of course, there's always been scrambled letter codes in, in words and whatnot, and mm-hmm. you know, invisible ink, the old lemon juice trick. Oh yeah. But uh, the only code I can think of that was never broken historically was the Navajos. They're in World War Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, they wouldn't we, wouldn't be the first coders, but I would say they would certainly be the most infamous. Yep. Pro- Although, no. interestingly enough, that wasn't something that was developed as a code. It was just their language. Oh, really? Which know, nobody spoke. But 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 the the code crackers figured this out. How you know what can we throw at the Germans that they won't be able to crack? Mm-hmm. And there was evidently you know a couple of Indians working in the uh, the headquarters there, and they threw them at the dog, and the dog couldn't find the bone. It was a good thing. Not the same kind of code that we're talking about. We're talking about programming, which is a language well, it was of its a own. But nobody knew. It wasn't based on Latin or any mm-hmm. other thing that was discernible to them. Yeah, I got you. Anything else, mm-hmm. Major? Well, uh, you're talking about this devil dog here. And, my uh, God, speaking of World War II, the Marines that died on Iwo Jima are rolling over in their grave if they name this damn thing the devil dog. But, I don't think uh, they're going to call it that. No, well, they should. If they put a gun on it, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it is. But the, what the yeah. other question I had for you was that uh, the USA and Wales played one of them international soccer games today, and they tied to a double goose egg. And I'm curious how often this happens, especially in, like, international competition for the cup and such. I have no idea. I'm not a soccer uh, fan, so but I understand. Isn't soccer one of those sports, kind of like hockey, where there's not a lot of scoring? Or am I completely wrong on that? I honestly no, have no clue. There's not a lot, but in hockey, at least they do in the go in, go into overtimes, and I don't know what the uh, deal is with football. 
I mean, yeah, I presume football. they're going to have to play again, right? Like you can't if you're going to have a world championship cup, then there presumably has to be a winner. They can't come out of that thing with a tie, can they? <laughs> hey, I got a good one for you. Little little uh, county. All right, last North thing. Meeting. Go ahead. All right, six hundred and nineteen votes for two different candidates running for the city council. Mm-hmm. Both of them got the same amount, six hundred nineteen votes. Oh wow! They put their names into a hat or a cup or something. And drew it, and the two girls hugged, and that was that. But one vote can matter. I'm always amazed at people who say voting doesn't make any difference. I mean, I can kind of understand that elsewhere, but it doesn't in New Hampshire. Everywhere else, yeah. It's, you know, I mean, the numbers keep going up for free staters getting elected. Yes, thank goodness. It's not even like, you know, we dominate in terms of like number, like raw numbers of the state. And no, not even close. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Generally speaking, that's probably true, but I don't know. In New Hampshire, it seems like it's having an impact. I think the best measure is probably NHLA um, endorsed candidates, and uh, my understanding is that a total of 98 such people were elected statewide in this last set of elections. Yes, that's what I've heard as well. Or I think I heard 97, but either way, it's it's a, a new record high for New Hampshire Liberty Alliance endorsed candidates. Mm. And for listeners that don't know, the NHLA is really a unique kind of organization that looks at every as many as they can there's like 800 to a thousand bills but they look at as many of the bills as they can every year they rate those bills based on whether or not they are pro-liberty or anti-liberty and then they make voting recommendations to all of the new hampshire house and senate members they print out sheets these voting recommendation sheets called the gold standard every single week they're there in uh, at the entrances to the the area where the state reps go in, the House Chamber, I guess they call it. They're there handing them out every single week. I mean, it's a lot of physical work to go and, and get this done, but they do it. Uh, and then they grade the state reps at the end of the year, basically, and they, they say, well, you know, did this person vote correct on this issue, this issue? And they go down the list and they, uh, they come up with a rating, you know, A through F, and then there's constitutional threat that is even worse than F. And they give a grade to all of the the state reps. And, of course, the top-rated state rep typically gets an award. Uh, this year, it should have been Matt Santanastasa who got the award. But he, he even though he was 100% perfect, yeah. uh, it was another guy that, that got it. Police in San Francisco are now asking for authorities, so-called, to kill people with robots. And the uh, the sad part of this is it didn't come up. Until somebody on the board of supervisors, which I presume is like their city council or something like that out there, until the, uh, what the let's see, Aaron Peskin, the dean of the city's board of supervisors, added something to their rules committee notes or something like that, uh, asking that robots shall not be used as a use of force against any person. So he wanted to enshrine that into the city code or the ordinances or whatever document they were amending but then the san francisco police department amended his addition so they saw his request to prohibit robots from being used as a use of force and they replaced it with a line that would then give robots the authority to kill suspects if the life of the public or the police was at risk According to Mission Local, Peskin eventually decided to accept the change because, quote, there could be scenarios where deployment of lethal force was the only option. So the very same guy who wanted to prohibit them from using not just lethal force, but any force. 
Now he's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So they, they persuaded this guy. I'm not sure how they persuaded him, but they persuaded him to come on board with the use of deadly force. Well, I don't know how they persuaded him, but Epstein didn't kill himself. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> the equipment policy states that the S. Oh, so this is the equipment policy that the SFPD currently has 17 remotely piloted robots, of which 12 are functioning. In addition to granting robots the ability to use deadly force, the proposal author also authorizes them for use in training simulations, criminal apprehensions, critical incidents, exigent circumstances, executing a warrant, or during suspicious device assessments. So it sounds like pretty much any time. Yeah, I mean, right? what, I mean, what they mean by that, I feel like, is any time an officer goes up to anybody or is in any kind of in situation, you know, investigatory situation. That's what right? it sounds like. Anything. Which is, you know, 100% of the time, so... And, and all they have to do is say that they're worried, right? Because remember when uh, yep. the police got their Bearcats, if you guys recall, the Bearcat, of course, listeners may not be aware, is an armored personnel carrier. And it is this sort of militarization of the police, yet another step in that direction. This is a decade old now at this point. Keene, New Hampshire, the little town where we live, a uh, population of 23,000, has a Bearcat. It was actually used. And probably the only time. Yeah, it was it was used against uh, nobody. They attached a battering ram to the front of it and busted in your front door last year during the Crypto Six raids. To give you an example of how scared they were of me, I went into the courthouse one time and I had a uh, a three fifty seven on my hip, mm-hmm. which I thought was permissible up until you got to the metal detector. Apparently, it, it wasn't. Um, well, apparently, according to them at the time, it was not legal for me to walk up to the plexiglass window and talk to them with with a weapon either. Hmm. But so they call the police and and I made, I think, a pork 411 call or something. But mm-hmm. a bunch of porks got to the uh, got to the courthouse before the police did. So four four cops come uh, come uh, charging in with uh, with drawn guns. Oh, wow. And one of the porks says, yeah, the guy with the gun is Rich Paul. He's in the bathroom, at which point two of the cops put their guns away, turned on their heels and walked out. Mm-hmm. The other two put their guns away and went in the bathroom to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but once they found out it was me, there was absolutely no fear. Yeah. So because they knew who I was, they knew I wasn't going to go crazy and start shooting people up. I guess the so, best uh, answer to the question of I'm I'm just going to try to answer as as I think they would answer is like well we knew Matt Roach was there and he had <laughs> guns. That's the oh, best. Oh oh oh! In right? the um, that's what in, changed. In 2021 rate. That's what changed. Mm, yeah, I don't do know. You think that's, do you think that's acceptable? I mean, uh, as an excuse, someone it, they knew had guns, except, even though he has no criminal. Except past the problem or, is they didn't use it on the just this side on the free talk live side. They used it on the other on side of the building, side, right? Yeah, which which just and he's doesn't a felon. Make sense. He doesn't have a gun. Right, right. So yeah, that's a good point. That put that busts a hole in it. Plus, yeah. again, Roach has guns, but so do a bunch of people in New Hampshire, and they're Every peaceful. Other house peaceful gun owners who have never done anything criminal with their weapons right and there was no reason to think either even with that situation that there would be some sort of um you know the guy was pat i mean here's the thing matt passed uh the most severe background check for like oh yeah that's a good um, point 
you know, like the most dangerous type of weapon. Yeah, because he has, uh, he's got like really fancy weapons, right? Yeah, like, like he's got like suppressors or something. Or something. Yeah, and, yeah, and don't quote me on that because yeah. I actually, I'm, I'm not, I'm not 100 sure. And he's talking about legal. Yeah, he's talking about on whatever, there. whatever is legal. He had a license for. But that's from a great the, point from, from the, the federal government from the yeah. feds. Yeah, that's true. Well, what happens if this robot does kill a person? Then who is re- held responsible? We did point out that there is a human that's controlling the robot, but. I mean, we've seen them saying things like when they've shot somebody to death or whatever. Oh, whoops. I thought I was trying to draw my taser. And then they get, you know, oh, well, it's okay. You thought you were going to draw your taser, but you drew your gun. So, well, that's just an honest mistake. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, although I think in the Bart Cop situation... I thought I was drawing my taser, but instead I activated the robot's recreational nuke. Yeah, I mean, probably wouldn't be that extreme, but that's kind of like, well, how would we, like, if the person who was controlling the robot said, oh, whoops, I pressed the kill button instead of the, you know, the zap button or whatever, and it was a total mistake, or there was some sort of issue with the programming, they pressed the right button, but the programming was messed up, the wireless signal didn't go correctly, and, you know, there was an error correction or something, and then the, the robot strangles somebody to, to death, mm. right? Like, th- it sounds like it's going to put even more um, of a buffer of safety between what happens in the streets and what happens to the operator of the robot. It's you know it's it's interesting it's interesting to see how little restraint the police have in in at least some situations or in some some cases that that we've seen um I I think of one where it wasn't Joa so much but um apparently one of his friends at, at like a near a hotel and they just tased him for like absolutely no reason. Oh yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you guys remember video. that, but it it was like I mean really you, you have so little restraint that you you uh, anyway I'm just like yeah it's it's like and it's like well they know I, they have qualified immunity right and it's like I I maybe could understand it if like somebody was like behaving in a manner that was you know they were on I don't know PCB or some sort of you know something that would like that's pcp pcp sorry <laughs> sorry guys um I, clearly i'm not up on my drugs um well i'm always there to ca- to have your back on that issue my uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure you are um but yeah it's yeah it's these uh you know it's it's like if they can't even restrain themselves in 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 the the least uh, dangerous circumstances. How are you going to get them to restrain themselves in circumstances that might be a little bit dangerous? Right, and as we've seen, they love using their toys to the maximum extent that they can. And according to the story here at uh, metro.co.uk, San Francisco, uh, their police department, this is the department that is requesting the use of deadly force by their robots, they say that most of the robots listed in their inventory are primarily used for bomb diffusing or dealing with hazardous materials. Newer models do have an operational weapon system. This is definitely something to be concerned with and something that is likely to spread as soon as one city gets away with it. You know others are watching. Other police departments out there are salivating, just waiting for the opportunity to you know, be able to put guns in the hands of these robots that they have. I, I can just I can just see you know or hear the words they're going to let us drop bombs again you know like <laughs> like coming from some officer's mouth 
Oh yeah. man, what was that? What was what that? kind of bell do you ring to make a to make a robotic dog salivate? <laughs> yeah, I, there was a. Um, I remember there was a bureaucrat with the tanks, and the guy was caught on video, on video. audio. Yeah. Uh, what, what did he, he say? said? We're going to have our own tank. That was at the time a city councilor who ended up becoming the mayor. He's yep. currently the mayor, or no, he was the not the current mayor of Keene, but the the previous one. Mm-hmm. He said we're going to have our own tank, and he whispered it. He thought he was off mic, like it, excited. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was riled up. Yeah, it, it was, was like it was almost like his his own personal tank. Yeah, even though he himself would not would never be able to. He's not a cop. He's just no. A, it's a, like it's like you fat. don't you don't even you're not even gonna get to. Oh well, maybe maybe he's got cop buddy friends that are gonna let him use it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that happened, and then we'd made a video out of it and everything, yep. and it got out there, and, and you know all of the pushback against the Bearcat here in Keene they make a dang difference. didn't matter. They still voted for it. There were th- only three city councilors that voted against it, so we got it. And now the uh, the taxpayers of Keene have to pay to fuel and to give oil changes to this thing, change out the tires, make sure it's in tip-top shape for whenever the federal government gang wants to come along with their and, DEA. Or, and those things aren't going to be cheap to maintain. No. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's already expensive. thousands of dollars a year. Just. Yeah, expensive enough to maintain the fleet they've already got of just, you know, regular, yeah. you know, uh, standardized vehicles. But yeah. something like that, that's a military vehicle. There, It's not designed to be cheap. It's designed to go into, mili- into, into, into Iraq, Afghanistan, places like that, not, not, not towns. Let's go to Joe. He's in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Joe, what's on your mind tonight? How come they didn't put a flamethrower on a damn robot? That would be pretty awesome. I mean, flamethrowers do make everything more awesome. That's right. Uh, what if somebody hacks that robot and it goes Ooh. on a killing spree, uh, killing innocent people, children, pets? That's I mean, a great point. I, I could. Ever then it will be that? really indistinguishable from a real cop. I, I could definitely see them like <laughs> using like something like Telnet to control it. Like I could just something see that. really unencrypted. Like, to- yeah. Telnet is completely unsecure. Yeah. It's a protocol from like I don't even know how far back, probably the eighties or earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely like see 60s, this, brother man. Wow. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe, because we were just talking earlier about the excuses that the police could use, like, oh, whoops, I pressed the wrong button, mm-hmm. or something went wrong in the transmission from my instructions to what the robot actually did, or there's a bug in the code. And I didn't even think of, of your point, and that is that, you know, they could just blame this on a hacker, like, oh, I don't know what happened. The robot just started controlling itself. Maybe they'll, it was a hacker. They'll probably say something like malfunction or mm-hmm. something like that. Rather than admit that somebody had hacked, yeah, yeah, because I mean, they wouldn't want to admit that, so they'll mm. say malfunction. Yeah, <laughs> the robot malfunctioned. It was a deadly malfunction. Joe, anything else you want to share tonight? Yeah, there's a computer code that was uh, never broken. That was uh, from Paul Larue's uh, computer. Who's that? The guy who they used to say that they thought Tashi Yakamoto was. He, he was a brilliant criminal and a brilliant mathematician. Oh, and they finally, okay. Yeah, they finally caught him, and they still have his computer, and they haven't cracked the code to get in. Isn't that guy in prison right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff that hasn't been, like, cracked, so to speak. I mean, like, if I mean, if, if things were so easy to crack, I mean, you know, Bitcoin wouldn't work, right? Cryptocurrencies wouldn't work. And if you want to get some idea of what's these these sick power sick freaks here in the united states want to do just look at china right they have robots 
They have uh, men in these white suits walking around with clubs, like hurting people who are just trying to leave their job. We were talking about this last night with the Apple iPhone facility where they're manufacturing the iPhone. It's a company called Foxconn. Mm. The employees have been kept in this facility 24-7 during the lockdowns, and they are sick of it, and they're trying to get out, and they've been trying to escape, like, in mass, large numbers of employees are just making a run for it. Basically, oh, that explains. I didn't hear about this. I, I mean, so I've seen the headlines of this, and that explains the uh, the headline of like fleeing. Like I, I forget what. I think it's like fleeing COVID like lockdown yeah. or something. They're but fleeing I, their workplace. I didn't make the connection that they were locking people in their like right. their um, factories in order, and and they could do that. They have, and a lot of these factories already have like uh, bunk bed style dormitories, dormitories. Mm-hmm. for the factory workers. Yeah. So. Especially Foxconn, I believe. Now they can't leave. And apparently yeah. there's, there's so, 200,000 people that work at Fox. Yeah, Foxconn. so it's not even like... That That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, yeah. And they've been attacked. They've been attacked. The footage is uh, is crazy. Like the, uh, the the white-suited men. I don't know what the official term for these goons are, but they're, they're the, basically the COVID enforcers. They're in China, and they're being used to against the Foxconn workers to try to get them to go back to work. Uh, to go back into this facility. Yeah, if you want to see, you know, it's interesting. If you want to see, like, the progression of, like, what's coming, all one has to, I mean, you can look at China first, but mm-hmm. you can definitely, uh, if you want to see, like, a Western implementation of it, you can actually already see that by looking at, like, places, especially, like, the UK, um, but certain other countries also. Um, uh, India is another good one. Uh, and Australia, we've also learned during the COVID crackdown, is another good one as well. According to the story at the-sun.com, which we, we just touched on last night, but it's such a big new. I think it's such an important story. I think we should continue. Uh, they are now reaching a new peak level of cases. 31,527 cases. That's nothing, right? Like in a country with a billion people in it, 31,000 cases. <laughs> those aren't deaths. That's one third of the world's population right there, guys. <laughs> You're talking about China. Not quite a third. No, I'm sorry. Uh, one eighth. Sorry, one did I say six. one third? Yeah, I think yes, it just crossed did. eight billion, didn't it? Yeah, it's about eight billion, and, and China's about a billion, I believe. Yeah. So that's a one eighth of the world's population. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, but only thirty one thousand five hundred twenty seven cases, a new record high. So proof that the whole zero COVID policy that they have has not worked. Right? Nope. That's what their policy has been. Oh, well, we found a few cases, so everyone in the city or in this region or whatever needs to lock down and destroy the economy. You get, if you uh, were to go and look at the China Lockdown 2022 uh, channel on Twitter, you would see pictures of people rushing out of a marketplace where they say that on November 22nd, Xiao King's jade market was found as quote-unquote positive and it was closed and everyone fled in all directions you see some video uh from that you see video from uh chongqing also where a large amount of these white suited men are walking down what appears to be a sort of a large street with these i don't know what you uh, how you describe these guns they are ejecting this mist they're like a mist gun, basically. 
They kind of oh, yeah, like sanitization. Yeah, kinda they, they kind of look like uh, like a leaf blower. Yeah, it's kind of the look of them, but they just keep on puffing out this mist, supposed disinfectant, which God knows what chemical uh, this is that they're just literally spraying all over the streets. Even though I don't think there's ever been any allegation. I mean, early on, maybe in the whole COVID uh, freakout. People were thinking COVID would like sit somewhere for three weeks, right? And then if yeah. you just touched it, you'd get infected. But later on, they said that wasn't the case with COVID. Yeah. So why it's, are they doing this? It's, I mean, it's probably a lot of it's for show. You know, mm-hmm. it's doing still fear in people. It is scary. Mm. I know I would. I'd be freaked out if I saw a bunch of white suited guys walking around just spraying everything and everywhere with this questionable chemical. That's to me way scarier than COVID. So that's some of what you, you'll you see if you're on this channel. Right, there's another one here from a couple of days ago, 5 o'clock in the morning on uh, in Guangzhou on a street. People were queuing up for 10 hours. Now, it doesn't say what they're in line for, but there's a huge line of people at 5 in the morning waiting for something. I don't know if it's to get a test. I mean, doesn't that like... Doesn't that make it? Does, it just seems like it, make, like it makes absolutely no, no sense. sense. If, if if they're going to be you know prevented from leaving their houses and yet then they're being forced to queue in line for what food or something like that, it's I, not clear. I, it just seems that just seems crazy. Yeah. And then there's another one here from a few days ago in Kangle Village in Guangzhou. People in the quote unquote restricted area are still waiting for relocation and are forced to be on the streets day and night. They literally show a ton of people. In a uh, like a what looks like an alleyway, with bedding and you know pads on which to sleep, they're just outdoors. Six million residents of Zhengzhou are also in lockdown after workers at the iPhone factory battled hazmat-suited security personnel. Again, these iPhone workers just want to go home. They're sick of this job. They're, they want to go home, and they're not allowed to. Meanwhile, the northeastern city of Changchun in Jilin province has urged its residents to halt non-essential movement. Hundreds of workers took to the streets around the factory in Zhengzhou, confronting hazmat-clad personnel wielding batons in a rare display of public anger in China. Like, literally, these people are being beaten because they want to leave their jobs. The number but at least they're fighting back, which... You know, live free or die. Death is not the worst of evils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took some time, but in the uh, Sheng, uh, the earlier, I'm forgetting the city again, but the earlier uh, lockdowns that happened earlier this year, there there were some protests that did finally erupt after weeks of people being locked down. So, I mean, uh, we can't expect them to be at the level of, of us here in New Hampshire, of course. I, 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 am, I have to say, every time I see something like this, it's inspirational to people who want freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter if it's North Korea or it's China or it's the U.S. or, you know, it's Russia. Anywhere people are, are rising up, I mean, that should be inspirational to everybody everywhere. Unfortunately, it didn't inspire enough people in China to actually... You know, flip over these lockdowns or whatever. They just unfortunately weren't enough. They have a pretty good you know? system of you know keeping keeping things under wraps in they China. Do. Unfortunately, so it, it and is the hard. The government to... has guns. The people don't right. have any guns in yep. China. 
Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. Go ahead, Sarah. You're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, David is a quite interesting caller, and I'm from New Mexico, so I'm glad. Other people think that I'm very interesting. I've heard he's right? single. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that, uh, yeah, but other people find uh, us very interesting, and I think David is really interesting. And so, but um, I have to bring up that, remember last year, the River of Light? We have like, 3D, a lit up Christmas lights, and it must be really pretty good. Um, and then uh, we're, they're doing a lot of safety improvements because that little boy got killed by the red light violator. By and, what? Uh, remember the, the off-road vehicle? He ran and ran the red light and killed a little boy that was crossing to get to the uh, river. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember you, uh, you called Ooh. about that. Uh, yeah, somebody with an ATV ran over a little kid. Right. So was he drunk? Yeah, Did you find out whether or not the person driving the ATV was drunk? Well, I mean, was not, a little I, kid he, for he, that matter. So he ran a red light and he was speeding. We don't know that if he was drunk or not, but he was hiding out in Mexico. They had to round him up. They found him down there and then they had to uh, boot him out of Mexico and get him sentenced over here. Well, what makes you think so, that changing street regulations or whatever is going to have any effect on either a potentially drunk or person who's just not paying any attention? Driver. Well, they're supposed to have crossing guards or they're supposed to have um, some kind of a traffic uh, make people slow down when they're coming through the intersection. If the guy is going to run over a little kid, why wouldn't he just run over the crossing guard? Well, they do that here, too. You know what I mean? But it's supposed to be more preventative. Cause it's on it sounds the, to me like they're just going to hire more bureaucrats yeah, and say that that's, that's the an problem, improvement. The problem with all these safety uh, actions or, you know, so-called actions um, is is that there's diminishing returns every for every new mm-hmm. thing that you do. And eventually you may actually be causing a hazard. Um, and I think a perfect example of that is all the – there was a study that was done and – um, the more signs you put up, right? You know, in theory, it's supposed to make us all safer, but it actually makes us more. It actually That's makes true. the situation more dangerous. Um, and what Sarah they found was never removing them, that. removing Shouldn't... those signs, those safety signs, actually increased or reduced the number of incidents. Can you believe that, Sarah? Well, I don't. I don't know about the sign part of it. That might be true, but I do believe that they they proved that speeding cameras reduced accidents by 70%. That has and who, who funded that study, Sarah? I bet you it was the company that makes the cameras. The uh, streets of Chaoyang, the capital's most populous district, 
are increasingly empty this week. They are finding that, uh, according to Reuters, this zero COVID policy, the signature policy of President Xi Jinping, uh, they've stuck with this, even as the rest of the world is just trying to coexist with the virus. Because as we've seen, the virus is not particularly deadly, but government lockdowns are. If they lock you down into an apartment building and they have put up a big metal gate at the front, because this isn't in many cases a voluntary lockdown. This is you are forced to stay at home. You will be harmed if you try to leave. You will be prevented physically from leaving in many cases. If they put up a big metal grate on the front of your apartment building and you literally cannot leave, what happens when the apartment complex catches on fire? That actually happened yeah. yesterday in one of the Uyghur areas. Really? Uh, yeah, and a number of people died. Oh, my God. I don't know what number. Probably a high number because, again, those metal gates are locked. The only way you're getting out is if you can go out the window. Yeah, I, I know they were nailing like doors shut in apartment complexes. They were. Um, back, I mean, this was probably they, a they, year or more ago. They but did it earlier this year, I, and you I, know they're doing it now. I know they've done it. I know they're. I, I'm, I, I know I've heard of that, that it was still happening, um, but I don't really know of any particular incidences. Shanghai, earlier this year, as you know, was uh, was crippled with the lockdown, which lasted for, according to Reuters, two months. It was more than two months. It was closer to three, if I recall correctly. And uh, they're saying the new record of infections has broken the previous record from April 13th. This time, big outbreaks are numerous and far flung, with the biggest in the southern city of Guangzhou and southwestern Chongqing, although hundreds of new infections are reported daily in cities in other cities. And they say that more than a fifth of their uh, GDP is currently under lockdown, which is bigger than the entire British economy right now. Let's go to Cynthia. She's on the line in California. Go ahead, Cynthia. Thank you. I'm hearing uh, from sources that what's happening in China is actually bank runs. Their economy is in free fall and people are trying to get their money out of the banks. So they're shutting them in and not letting them move about. So um, what I've been listening to Paul Preston at the uh, New California 51st State Movement, right? Hmm. A, a process of separating from the state of California. Um, is this the south? Uh, is that the southeastern area of California that wants to break away? Like, like you said, the red counties. They apparently have two hundred thousand people signed up across the state. It's, it, they're excluding all the highly populated areas. Mm-hmm. Do you know what um, happened with that vote? There was supposed to be a vote in one of those counties, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was like the biggest county in America or something. It's a humongous county well, in California. Yeah. There was supposed to be Wasn't a vote. It like the size of Texas? No, I can't even no not Texas it was size. Big, it's big. Oh, it, was, it was as big as at least one of the states, I think. Yeah. 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 That, 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 that I'm, I don't know, but mm. what's interesting is that Paul Preston is reporting that when their activists were checking the voter rolls, they realized there were huge discrepancies. And it turns out in the 1990s, California started allowing people to sign up to vote when they went to get the, the motor vehicle to get their uh, licenses. And um, a bunch of those are fictitious. And what's been happening is billions upon billions of dollars have been federal dollars have been sent to California sent through a program called EDD, which is related to unemployment, and ending up in China. And apparently last spring, Wait, uh, the feds finally went, oh, my God, we got to stop this. And that's when China's economy went into a free fall. How does it end up in China? Well, you know, California is fairly corrupt. 
Yeah. The Chinese <laughs> uh, CCP actually controls a lot mm. of politicians. There's a lot and, of Chinese that have migrated mm, to California true. over the years. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you, you, you heard, by the way, didn't you, that you uh, just got away, the Connect guy? That runs a thousand. That is a software associated with a thousand elections in this last cycle. Um, he he he. The, the judge let him go, gave him his passport and a three hundred and fifty gigabyte uh, flash drive that is believed to have information on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of American voters. I mean, the Pentagon actually had a contract with this company. The company turns out to be owned by the CCP. I'd forgotten all about that town or city or whatever, the county. County. uh, San Bernardino, where they did vote. And it did make it into the news. We just hadn't heard about it. According to did it pass? It did. According to uh, Newsweek, a narrow majority of voters in huh. San Bernardino, California, have voted in favor of a measure allowing county officials to initiate the process of seceding from the state of California. Wait, there's a process for that. Of course, there's a process. That's, you that's know? curious. I, I want. I wonder what that process is. There's always a process with politics. There's always yeah, a bunch I mean, of stupid hoops to jump through. The measure asked the electorate whether San Bernardino County elected representatives should, quote, study and advocate for all options to obtain the county's fair share of state funding, including secession from the state of California. So it's not really... Wouldn't that have to go to the federal level? Uh, because that doesn't. I, I, I thought in order to be admitted as a state, yes, yeah. If they're going to separate from California, I mean, I guess they could do it within California, so it would be like an independent territory of California or something like that, where they, you know, I don't know govern independently. Yeah. But um, I think in order to make it another state or territory of the get, United States, it'd have to go to the federal level. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but but the the way this is worded, it's not straight up. We're going to secede from California. It's to quote study and advocate for all options to obtain the fair share of state funding. So this is just about money, right? Like this isn't about yeah. this isn't about independence. It's just they're throwing secession on the table and saying we'll use secession if we have to to get our fair share. You know, I you know on the one hand it's like I I kind of I kind of get it. Like I still feel like this is this kind of makes sense, right? Like you, I mean it's not that different in some respects I think than NH exit. Uh, it's quite different. In the case of NH exit, we're actually proposing to leave the entirety of the United That's States. True. That's an entirely That's different situation. True. NH but exit isn't based on we're mad because the federal government isn't giving us it enough is a money. Threat. And in, in I'm going to finish the statement, though. It's yeah, okay. not because we are mad because we're not getting enough money from the federal government. That's true. So it's nothing like that. Well, what are you saying? It's a threat. What I'm do you mean just by saying they're, they're they're using it as a threat, right? They're who using is? it as some sort of threat. Who's using who, what as a threat? The people who are you know calling it secession, I guess. Are you talking about NH exit? Or are you talking about no, California? No, California? According to the measure that they voted for here, with a 51.3 percent, it said, "quote that the elected representatives in San Bernardino County, a county of over two million people, by the way." in California, should, quote, study and advocate for all options to obtain the county's fair share of state funding, including secession from the state of California. 
Now, of course, that doesn't mean they're actually going to secede from California. As the article here at MSN.com points out, they say it's unlikely San Bernardino will secede from California, even though the passing of this measure technically allows elected officials to initiate the project. The measure is mostly symbolic, showing that the county is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure it gets its so-called fair share of state funding, including secession. But it's unclear whether a secession from the state would even be legally or constitutionally possible. According to the Constitution, any secession must be approved by the state legislature and Congress. So why would they let them go? You know, what, what would the reason be that they would be able to persuade the legislature to let San Bernardino out of the California Union or whatever you want to call it? Now, of course, Slave owners almost never vote to let their slaves escape. Right, especially if they're a, a county that's providing a level of tax dollars to the state coffers that they don't feel like they're getting back, right? I so wonder, that means that the state is getting a bunch of money out of this. I wonder if the you know, I'm just I'm just thinking about this. If the opposite were true, would California let them leave? I wonder. If I the opposite were not. true, what do you mean? If yeah, we're, we're, opposite where California was sending more money into the county than the county uh than than reverse. Hmm. That would be maybe more of a motivation. Yeah, maybe. I don't know about that. Uh, but, but then, of course, they probably wouldn't want to leave if that was the case, too. So, so even if they could get out of California, yeah. then if they want to become the 51st state, they got a whole other problem on their hands because they have to get the approval from Congress to do that. Though there are cases in which previous secession attempts have worked out. Maine seceding from Massachusetts in 1820 and West Virginia being recognized as a new state in 1863. Numerous attempts at breaking up California in recent years have all failed. San Bernardino County wasn't the only case where secessionist movements gained a victory in these midterms. Three counties in Illinois, apparently, Brown, Hardin, and the northeast portion of Madison County, have passed referendums that technically allow initiating the process of secession from Illinois, joining some 24 counties that had already approved of similar non-binding measures. It's actually really interesting, this uh, Greater Idaho proposal, where they're trying to not per se secede because they're not trying to leave the united states and they're also not trying to to create a 51st state they're just saying hey we'd rather be over here and why don't we just connect ourselves politically to this other land mass that they think is more like them and that's the proposal. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about it here. Ian, Chris, and nobody in joining you tonight. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you want to weigh in here, maybe you're against the idea of independence. Maybe you think borders should never be shifted. We should go back to being part of Great Britain. There are probably people who believe that. <laughs> there was a guy that came out to the New Hampshire uh, exit proposed uh, where we had a hearing. I think all of us went to. And there really was a guy that came out and advocated for that. Now, it was tongue-in-cheek, uh-huh. of course, but the dude actually drove up from, I think, Virginia or something like that. He he made a long drive just to come up and give that performance in front of the uh, the council or the, or the committee members that were hearing the bill. So uh, what happened in Oregon is really interesting because the news story that – uh, we were just sharing was about what was going on in California, where San Bernardino did vote to consider using secession as a negotiating tactic against the California government to try to get more money out of them. Not the most exciting of stories, but still a proposal with the word secession in it did pass in San Bernardino co- uh, County. <laughs> 
But more interestingly is this proposal for the greater Idaho. This November, two counties had voted to join greater Idaho, but it's two additional counties. They already have, looks like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine other counties that are all sort of on the eastern or southeastern area of Oregon, these larger counties, right? Like these don't have the big cities in them, right? This is mm. the sort of the, the rural area of Oregon, which has absolutely nothing in common with Portland. I wonder right? what Idaho has to say about this. Idaho. Who's Idaho? Isn't that what we're talking about? Idaho? I think it's a state. Yeah, but you said, I wonder what Idaho has to say about this. Who are you referring to? Oh, oh, uh, the people of Idaho. Well, the people of Idaho are voting in large number to leave Idaho. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Who are they joining? Oh, I'm sorry. Idaho. Oregon. Sorry. Yes. Uh, the people of Idaho. Great question. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I was I was thinking of Oregon when I'm, you said Idaho. I'm getting Idaho. confused, and I'm thinking I'm confused. Oregon, but... <laughs> Idaho. Apparently, they're both going to be the same thing here soon if this moves forward. The, the website is greateridaho.org, by the way. And, you know, as far as proposals to change political designations and such, this one's a pretty straightforward and sensible one, right? Like, it's they're not asking for secession, so they don't have to, you know, get over that hill. Idaho is the state with the eighth smallest tax burden, and Oregon ranks 33rd, according to the Tax Foundation. Combining all taxes together, including sales tax, the average Idahoan paid 1722 less in taxes in 2019 than the average Oregonian. That's averaging together. Every adult, child, uh, employed, retired, or unemployed. Oregon tax rates continue to go up due to a lack of willingness to control spending. They say safety would benefit, that Idaho allows forests to be managed to prevent destruction of housing from huge wildfires. A thriving economy. Number five, Idaho has less regulation than any other state. By the way, Idaho was on the list of states for the New Hampshire Free State Project. Oh, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, th- before they called it the New Hampshire Free State Project. Correct. It, they do have um, <laughs> no. There's no sales tax in uh, Portland, Oregon. In Port, oh, in, in the state of Oregon. In the state, yeah, yeah, yeah the state. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, Idaho, I, I'm but, presuming it's not. It's nowhere else either, too. But yet, their their burden is still tremendous as far as taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Concerned. Well, I'm just saying there's one good thing about yeah. the state. Uh, Idaho has less regulation, they say, than any other state, leading to low unemployment and much lower cost of living. Their approach to regulation and taxation would allow rural industries to revive and employ us again, they say. And finally, number six, the ruling party in the Oregon legislature only has two representatives from a rural district or from eastern or southern Oregon. But our reps would be in the ruling party in Idaho where our concerns and needs would be heard. And so those are the reasons why they say Oregon County should want to become a part of Idaho. And it seems like those counties agree and they have voted to do that. In fact, there's another one that's scheduled to vote very soon to join the greater Idaho movement. But as of right now, they've locked in what appears to be probably 50 percent of the landmass of Oregon. So like this is getting to the point where they actually have what it takes to move this forward. Leaders of the movement, according to OPB, that's the Oregon Public Broadcasting Channel at opb.org, say they now have enough support to lobby state legislatures directly to change state lines. According to the story here, Citizens for Greater Idaho has claimed victory as results are now showing both ballot measures garnering strong majorities in Oregon on these uh, these two counties that voted this year 
Only state legislatures in Congress have the power to change state lines, and both ballot questions didn't directly ask voters if they wanted to break away from Oregon and join Idaho. Instead, Morrow County voters supported a measure that will require their board of commissioners to meet three times a year to discuss, quote, promoting Morrow County's interests regarding relocation of the state border. Is this really is this secession, guys? Do you think that this this proposal of the Idaho County's quote unquote leaving and joining Oregon is that a is that a secessionist movement? I don't know. I mean, I would think usually secession involves like being independent, but I guess I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it would be in the, it would it would be it would be independent. Still, it would just be part of another state. What do you think? Well, Nobody? I mean, I would say that if you secede from one jurisdiction and join another, that it's it's two things. The first is a secession. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, the second would be uh, uh, a, a session or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, they do essentially. Um, they do have to ask permission, right, to uh, to be able to go. They're going to have to pass something in the Idaho legislature. But the the interesting thing about this is. They might be able to. Like, there's this large chunk of the the people of these western, or rather eastern and southern counties in Oregon that are voting for this. You know, you know. I think the more interesting thing is, like, they can't do it, as I understand it, unless the feds approve. And I don't think the feds are going to approve. Um, so the question then becomes, well, what happens if they do it and both sides agree, like – to it and it's like and they just like act as if they're part of another state without Do the actually... feds have to approve this one yeah i, I believe so um but well they're not asking to i think they're not asking to create a new Texas. state yeah but i think even breaking up just is, the borders you think changing think borders so. changing borders i think requires uh well maybe the story uh, will congress we'll get into it here it's, it does say only state legislatures and congress have the power to change right. state lines uh, and and again, they're not to the point where that's that's actually what they're doing. They're just kind of they're taking t- the temperature of the people of these counties. And there have been 11 counties now that have passed the greater Idaho measures in mostly central and eastern Oregon. As a result, uh, there were two counties that did not vote for this. So Douglas and Josephine counties voted against the greater Idaho measures in May. Following the outcomes of that uh, primary, greater Idaho lopped off southwest Oregon from its main proposal. So they said, hey, you guys don't want to be a part of our thing? Fine. We're just going to cut out southwest Oregon. They're focusing now on southern and eastern Oregon as the idea of to make Idaho a larger state. You know, it's just the idea that anybody should have any choice is somewhat revolutionary you know it seems like it seems like it might be a good idea to have more flexible borders um just because you know political climates change Mm -hmm. you know um you know from time to time and you know why should you be stuck to political borders effectively from a couple hundred years ago or you know whenever your state was was founded they said we chose a group of counties that voted 70 percent republican in 2020 Idaho voted 63.9% Republican, adding rural counties would prevent Boise from ever drowning out the rest of the state's vote. In the last eight years, the area has voted against hard drugs and 61% against marijuana legalization. (laughs) So, again, this isn't a place we would want to spend any time. These are people who are against personal freedoms. These are conservatives. You know what we don't have uh, in the United States, at least I don't think uh, so much, is enclaves and enclaves. um, Where you could, because, you know. What is that? What do you mean? So you can have, like, you could potentially have 
part of, I don't know, Idaho be, well, what we think of as Idaho, parts of it not be Idaho, it'd be part of some other state. So you drive through Idaho and then you... Reach. You cross into Nevada or something. Yeah, like that. even though mm-hmm. Nevada is normally like a different part, now, right? Is there any actual example of this happening? I don't know about in the, in the United, United States. I don't know in the United States there is. Is there um, any example of it somewhere else? Yes, all around the world there are enclaves and enclaves. Um, in other countries, like like literally other countries, you've got in- enclaves and enclaves. So, like, have you seen one of these, or you just know they exist? They exist. I think they even. I think even like, yeah, I think like Denmark maybe, um, but definitely in Europe. They exist a lot in Europe. Um, so you're saying the within Denmark, there is some sort of car of a carve out yeah, that's where another, another country, country yes. exists, but it's a country that already exists somewhere else. Yeah. It's not, it's not like Andorra, which is its own country. Right. Sandwiched exactly. Yes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so like there's precedent, like there mm. are, there is, there are other, there are, are other the parts US. of the world. There's no precedent. Not that I'm US. aware of. I mean, I yeah. might be wrong about that. That would be a game changer. If somebody could pull that one off, why, that would be amazing. Well, I, you know, it begs the question, why couldn't somebody suggest something along those lines? They could. Right. Because that seems like it would solve a lot of the problems with, you know, Democrat versus Republican um, in a lot of these, you know, conservative and more liberal states. Right. Because you can have. If if you and, and it's and you don't even necessarily have to have it like be part of another state. It can mm-hmm. also just be a like like in New Hampshire, there's different regulations for up north than there are down south in some instances. And you could probably do more of that. Um, it doesn't like it's not like you have to dominate like whoever dominates the state has to dominate the whole state. Well, I don't know if you remember this from this would have been like maybe around the time I moved to New Hampshire, which was you know, 15, 16 years ago. Killington, Vermont was proposing exactly what you're talking about. Killington, Vermont is landlocked. Mm-hmm. It's in the center of Vermont. Okay, so it's not a border town. Uh, but they were actually proposing to join New Hampshire. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon, so please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. <laughs> 